You are listening to the Hatridge Sermons Podcast, recorded live at the Brownstown Community Church. The following message is presented unedited as it was delivered during Sunday morning services. Here's this week's sermon from Brother Billy Hatridge. Last week, I started talking about what it meant to be a disciple of Christ, about what it really meant to follow Jesus. Because, you know, for a lot of us, Christianity, maybe not us, but for a lot of people, Christianity is a label that they check, right? It's just one element of their life. It's something that they do on Sunday mornings. It's a book that they have sitting on a shelf, but it's not much more than that. But Christianity at its heart is a life not just style, but a life in and of itself. It should be everything to us. It means being all in for Jesus. It means following Him for the rest of your life, not just following Him, but His teachings, the way we live our life, what we contemplate on, what we think about. And I talked last week about how this discipleship is something that I think is lacking in a lot of people's lives, this true taking up their cross and following Jesus, this true hating their own life in order to love the life that they have in the Savior. But last week I had mentioned that we're going to be studying for the next three weeks going all in mind, body, and soul. These three elements of ourselves and how we are to dedicate not just our our souls to Christ, but our minds and our bodies as well. And I wanted to talk about our our minds today, about how we are to mentally and intellectually and and academically devote ourselves to God, how we are to reflect on His teachings, how we are to think about God day to day. You know, every week, I, just about every day, I'm, I'm thinking and contemplating my sermon upcoming. I don't sit down at a desk and, and, and brainstorm and write out drafts and things, but it's quite often for me to be driving or, or sitting at work and I'm running through in my mind way, things to say, stories to tell, analogies to make in the upcoming sermon. And I'll get on my phone and I'll look up scriptures or stories or characters of the Bible that might be relevant to that theme. And so all week long I'm kind of mulling over these ideas and these, these thoughts for the next sermon. That's probably one of the reasons I like these little series is because when I can find things that aren't directly related to what I want to preach on, but it ties in, I can push it back to the next week for the next sermon that comes in that series. But what I'm getting at here is I think that that's what a lot of us need to be living our lives like day to day. It's just constantly thinking about scripture, constantly thinking about maybe the last sermon you heard and how you're applying it to us. Because, you know, I'll be honest, when I was sitting out there in the pews, there were many Sundays I sat there and listened to a sermon intently and thought about how wonderful it was and how I could apply all those things to my life and how it really got me excited to go out and try to live this truth that the pastor was preaching. And then I get home and I eat lunch and then all of a sudden it's just gone. You know, you, you just kind of forget about it. You, you get Monday morning like, I don't even remember what he preached about. And I'll be honest, there are sometimes I sat right out there in those pews and I'd be walking out those doors and like, I, I couldn't follow. I didn't know what he was, was preaching on. And I don't think about it for the rest of my week. You know, for a lot of us, it's tough to, to be reflection, reflecting on the scripture and on God day in and day out because we don't see them. 
I'm kind of an out of sight, out of mind person. If I can't see it, it doesn't exist. I don't know how many times I've, I've gone to buy good food, healthy food, vegetables and those things and put them in the crisper drawer and then they just go to rot sitting in there because I don't see them as soon as I open, open that door. Are any of you like that, right? You've got to have it front and center where you can see it or else it just disappears into the back of your mind. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, that's what happens with, with Christ and the gospel. Because it's not in the forefront of our minds. It's really not. It's not a physical thing that we can hold. We've got our Bible, we've got crosses, we've got different things and elements of it, but in and of itself, it in and of itself, it isn't a physical thing that we can hold and carry with us and set on our desk and say, okay, here, I'm doing, I'm doing religion today, I'm doing faith today. I think that's one of the reasons it's important that we surround ourselves with the iconography of, of Christianity. To have Bibles sitting there in sight, crosses on our walls, scripture, pens in our cars. Because it reminds us of these things and it brings it back to the forefront of our minds. But I wanted to go to Romans. Romans chapter 12 today. And really and truly, this scripture reading I'm doing out of Romans 12, it's about dedicating our life to Christ. And so I'm probably going to touch on this for the next few sermons because he talks about all these different elements we're talking about. But the focus for today is going to be on our mentality when it comes to our faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it states, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So right off the bat, he's talking about presenting our bodies, the physical parts of us that we'll talk about next week. It says here in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what it is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing, to, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry, that he who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And he goes on and he talks about this dedication that we as Christians are supposed to have, that we're supposed to give our bodies as living sacrifices, that we are supposed to be giving our spiritual gifts in service to God. Both of those things being things I'll touch on in the next few sermons. But I wanted to touch on this. Chapter 2 is our verse reading this morning. Verse 2, or chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we know, of course, that our job as Christians, as followers of Christ, is to follow the will of God. Right, we talked last week, that very, very dangerous verse where Christ says, if you do not follow the will of my Father in heaven, it doesn't matter how many times you called me Lord, it doesn't matter how many miracles you performed in my name, I will deny you before my Father. It says, I will say, I never knew you. 
even the people who can consider themselves Christians, even the people who pray every day, even the people who call Jesus Lord and Savior will be denied by Him if they do not follow His Father's will. That's what our reading last week told us. So how do we figure out His will, right? That's something that all of us in this room, in this church today, we struggle with. I struggle with. How Am I doing what He wants me to do? How do I know I'm on the right track? How do I know I'm on the wrong track? Are these trials and tribulations in my life challenging my faith? Or are there big, huge red stop signs that God's putting up and saying, stop going down this road? It can be hard to differentiate between the things in our lives. Look at the story of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, right? It can be very clear on a, on a shallow level reading that, oh, this is Satan trying to stop Jesus from doing what Jesus was sent here to do. But we know, of course, in deeper reading that, no, this was all the will of God to test his merit, to, to strengthen his soul for the journey that was going to begin because he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. So what am I talking about all this? Because when we're trying to discern the will of God, we can only do so not by conforming to the world, but by allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our minds so that we can, and I quote, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God, good, acceptable, and perfect. That's what we're seeking out. That's what we're trying to uh, attain in our lives. And it's beautiful because he goes on when he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, which we'll touch on again in a few weeks, but, but he talks about how that will of God is different for every single one of us. I think that's why it can be so difficult for people to find their place in Christianity because Christianity, this faith, this thing that we call belief in Jesus Christ, it's not one size fits all because there is a plan in place for each and every one of us and that plan can vary greatly. There are numerous religions and faiths around the world that say if you want to be this faith, you have to do these exact things in order to accomplish a higher level or, or whatever it is that you're working toward, enlightenment, etc., etc. You have to do these very specific tasks in your life to accomplish this. But here is Paul and he's writing and he's saying, it's going to be different for every one of you because God has given you different gifts. He sent you here for different purposes. Right? We see throughout this scripture how different every single person is. And how when God plucks them out of the world and says, Hey, buddy, I've got a job for you. That job is never the same. Find me two characters in this Bible that have the same purpose in life. That are called to do the same mission in life. Look at Aaron and Moses as an example. About those two very different people. And how even though they had the same mission, they were built differently. They had different skills. They had different abilities. They carried themselves differently. When Moses was called to lead the people, he said, you don't want me, you want Aaron. And God said, well, I've got something else for Aaron, but I know what I've got for you. So this good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, how do we figure out what that is in our lives? It's by thinking about it. It's by thinking about it. It's by allowing the Spirit to transform our minds in such a way that we are constantly thinking about the Scripture and how it applies to our life. And not just the Scripture, 
but our day-to-day lives, the people in our lives, the sermon we heard, the, the, the gospel music we're listening to in the car, everything that is good, everything that is holy, we should be reflecting upon. We don't sit around and think anymore. We live in such a busy society, the days of sitting on the front porch just thinking about life are gone. There's this great debate about whether or not philosophy in and of itself is dead because people are so busy that when they have just five minutes to themselves, they pull out their phone, and I'm just as guilty of this, and they're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever it is, or they pick up a magazine. We've got to be entertained. We don't want to be left alone with our own thoughts. But the scripture, it tells us over and over and over and over again that we are to meditate on what it is telling us. That we need to be actually thinking about what God is trying to tell us. It's interesting how many people will tell me that they don't hear from God, that God, they don't feel like God's speaking in their lives. Like they used to, and now they don't, and they feel like He's being silent. And when you ask them about prayer, when you ask them about their relationship and all these things, like, yeah, I'll say my prayer and then I'll go to bed or whatever. And I'm realizing that they're not giving Him any room to talk. Right? We are, we are becoming so very busy as human beings that we're not even giving God room in our lives to intervene and talk to us. We don't say a prayer and then sit in quiet contemplation and wait for Him to speak. We are always going, 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 going. But to be all in for Christ, to be all in for God, it means thinking about Him. It means bringing Him into the forefront of our minds. But it's not just God and Scripture and Bible study and Sunday school and all that stuff that we're supposed to be thinking about. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes once again exactly the kind of things we need to be thinking about. He tells us and lists them out in detail precisely what needs to be on the mind of every follower of Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good rapport, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Right? Because when we talk about thinking about God and being all in mentally, The reason for that is so that we strengthen our relationship with God, so that we can hear Him in our lives better, so that we can understand what He wants us to do better. And here He says that if you have heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So the more that you reflect on these things, the more that you focus on these things, the more that you meditate on these things, the closer you get to God. Because these are things of God. You know, he tells us continually in verse 10, he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though surely you surely did care, you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And here he says it in verse 413, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I wanted to be sure to include that. We touched on this 
several months ago, but I want to make sure to include this because what Paul is saying is that even as I suffer, even as the world beats me down, strips me of everything that I have, throws me in a dark room and throws away the key, even as the world beats me to a pulp, I can also reflect on whatever is true and just and pure and lovely and of good rapport. How can he do this? How can he both see the good in the world while being surrounded by its bad? Because he can do all things through Christ. To be both full and hungry, to both abound and suffer need. This duality of life that all of us live is due in part because of our decision to follow Christ. That as a living being on this planet, you will suffer. That much is true. It doesn't matter what you are. You could be a, a dog, cat, elephant, tree. You're going to suffer. You're going to have pain. You're going to be beat upon and, 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 and trampled and, and attacked. However, as followers of Christ, as children of God, we can abound through that suffering, through those hardships, through those dark times, as long as we focus and meditate on that which is true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good rapport and of virtue, praiseworthy. All the wonderful things about this world. Now that in and of itself, and this is, this is directly from the scripture. This isn't me paraphrasing. This isn't me making my own list. It's not me trying to make something to make your life easier. But listen to that right there. He does not say, meditate on these things, the scripture, God, the Ten Commandments. All these things are important. But what I'm getting at is he's opening that up and saying it's not just about the Scripture. It's not just about the Word of God. It's about all the lovely, pure, noble things he's put into this world. You ever step outside on a beautiful spring day and see the sun shining and the blue sky and the white clouds and the birds singing and you think about how wonderful God is? That's not Scripture out there. That's not my sermon out there. That's just that which is praiseworthy. Things that are noble, things that are pure. A rose bush, a baby's giggle, a rainbow in the sky, all of these things, all of these things, even though they're not immediately connected to God, all of these things are proof of His grace and of His beauty. So when we meditate on God, when we talk about going all in mentally, talk about bringing God in the forefront of our minds and, and trying to make sure that we spend the rest of our days thinking and contemplating about Christ and God, let us not forget that all of these things that Paul writes in verses 8 and 9, all of these things can also be included in that. When you get into the self-improvement world and you look at a lot of these experts who talk about how to manifest power and money and all these things into your life, they always talk about positive thinking, you know, and it, and it sounds, it sounds hokey-dokey and it sounds absurd, but then you get right back all the way 2,000 years ago to the writings of Paul and what is he telling us to do to think about the good in the world? That the world will beat us down and it'll be ugly and it'll be dark, 
but it is our duty as Christians to meditate on the good in the world, the pure and the just and the lovely and the praiseworthy. These are the things that we should be thinking about day in and day out. Because, you know, when it comes down to sin, and it comes down to the things that pull us away from God, and, it, and we talk about the things that distract us, the ways that we conform to the world, all of these things, we begin to realize that most of sin comes from dark thoughts first. It comes from dark thoughts first. Those dark thoughts are there because that mind, whoever it might be, is not looking at these things listed in verse 8. They have a really bad day at work. They said some really harsh things to the boss, or the boss said really harsh things back to them, and they're thinking about how angry they are and how much they hate their boss and how much they hate their job, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to stop by the bar on the way home from work. Right? All of, all of us can attest to that. All of us, maybe not that part, but all of us can attest to letting those dark thoughts build up in our minds and get us to the point where we start engaging in unchristlike behavior. Because we're not contemplating and thinking about the pure and noble and praiseworthy things in our lives. Every single one of us, myself included, is guilty of this. And most of us will be guilty of this before we go to sleep tonight. But it's important for us to remember that this thing called Christianity, this thing called discipleship, is an all-in endeavor. It's 100% of everything that we are. We don't get to put a part of ourselves back on a shelf and say, okay, well, Christ, this is not yours. This is just for me over here. No, we are, we are all in, 100%. Mind, body, and soul. And when we begin to understand that the mind part, being mentally all in, really, when we look at the writings of Paul, and it's important to understand why I'm going to be looking at Paul mostly, because what was his purpose as a writer in our scripture? Creating disciples. That's all of Paul's writing, was to tell people how to be followers of Christ. That's what his writings are about. This is how you follow Christ. So I'm going to be in his writings a lot. But when we look at what he's telling the churches, he is telling them that our minds are to be transformed by the power of God and that these new minds shall meditate on the good in the world. Meditate. Think about. Reflect upon. You can use whatever word you want to use there. But the wonderful things in this life are what we're supposed to be focused on. What we're supposed to be thinking about. And it's dangerous out there in the world for us as Christians. It really is. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, institutions that want to terrify us. And tell us about the things that we're supposed to be afraid of and show us the dangers of the world and hold up gnarly, grisly images of society and say, look at all this awfulness. What are you going to do about it? But notice that Paul doesn't say it's our duty as Christians to reflect upon the sin running rampant in the world. You notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, you really need to be thinking and studying about the degradation of Roman society and all the awful things that they're doing down the street. No, he says, it is our duty to reflect and meditate upon the good, because that is where God is. 
Because that fear, it builds up hatred, builds up resentment, it builds up not great things. And it tells us, of course, that God is love. And that perfect love does what? Cast out fear. And so if we are to be all in, then there is no room in our hearts, there should be no room in our hearts for fear, for anger, for doubt, worry, for all of these things that pull us away from the grace of God. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you. Lord God, we thank you for, for Paul and all the wonderful writings that he gives us. Lord God, that these, these words, that these truths, that these messages, that they've lasted 2,000 years to get to us today. Lord God, let us reflect today just on how wonderful that that is. That this man 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world, that his truths, that his directions for discipleship can reach us today in our own language, in a way that we can understand and put into practice. Lord God, I just pray this week that each person here, Lord God, that they dedicate their minds to you and your grace. That they reflect on you each and every day, on you, your word, your scripture, your glory, and all that is praiseworthy and noble and pure in this world. That, Lord God, we see you when we open our eyes. We see you in, in the sunsets, in our family. We see you in the good in the world. That we reflect on that for all the days of our lives. I pray all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hatridge Sermons Podcast. Please remember to rate and review this show, and be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Sharing this episode on social media and with others is one of the best ways to help the show grow and to help God's message reach even more people. You are always welcome to join us for in-person services if you ever find yourself in Southwest Arkansas. The Ben Lomond Cumberland Presbyterian Church has services at 10 on Sundays. And the Brownstown Community Church has services immediately after at 11. You can find more information on the churches and Brother Billy in the show notes. Be sure to tune in next week for another message about what it means to be all in for Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you always.